Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. I want to talk to you this morning. Um, well, it's just a statement, and it's, you know, use it as a title, but great churches are needed now more than ever. And I want to talk to you about what makes a great church. Over in Matthew 16, I'm going to have you turn there. Now, there's a lot of different ways that people look at what we call church. And I get that, and I understand that. But I think the, the greatest um, way to view what the church is, is to view it through what Jesus said it would be, because it's his church. I mean, it's not your church, it's not my church. We're stewards of, you know, buildings and all of that kind of thing, but we're just stewards. We take as good of care, we take as good of care of it as we can when we're here, and then it goes on to the next generation and so on. Uh, I love that powerful, powerful worship chorus. A thousand generations to my children and their children and their children. Wow. But over in Matthew 16, Jesus uh, introduced the idea of what we call church. Um, and so I'm just going to go there in Matthew 16, and, and, and it'll be familiar to you, I'm sure, in verse 17. And he was with his disciples. And Jesus, because he was, he was Messiah, he was the Son of God and all, but Jesus was a leader, but Jesus was, was continually promoting and pushing and moving his kingdom ahead. That's what Jesus was really about. That's what he came to do. He came to bring the kingdom. So he had his disciples together, and and he asked them, who do men say that I am? What a question. Um, He knew that they had at least enough sense of their culture and the society they lived in that they had been hearing, just like you've been hearing our culture talk about whether they, they may not be using Jesus' name directly, but they, our culture is always engaged in, in the tension between right and wrong and, 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 and all of those things. And so he asked this question, who, who do men say that I am? And, and uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 17 because they, they gave a few answers and Peter said, you're, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. He said, right on, Peter, you hit it. Oh, by the way, you didn't get that on your own. <laughs> That's what he was telling him. He said, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll say to you, Peter, that on this rock, on this revelation you have have had that God gave you, that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, that upon that revelation I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There is, um, there is a continual battle in the spiritual realm, uh, of, of, um, 
of, of the enemy of our soul, of, of uh, the one who caused the fall of humanity. And really what, what the devil is looking to do is he wants to uh, hold back as much of the church as he possibly can. But Jesus gave not just a prophetic declaration, but a declaration of creation. And he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against what I'm doing. You see, a lot of times we, we look at it and it's, and I, and I, you know, it's just the nature of things of, of people. We kind of look at, well, we're involved and we, we do these things and it contributes to the church and that's all good. We're going to be talking about that. But I just want to let you know that it's Jesus' church and he's building it. In the book of Acts, it says as, as the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church exploded on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached one message, thousands were added to the kingdom. And just another, uh, very, very shortly after it, it, it began, it, it said what the Holy Spirit was beginning to do, that he was adding to the church. Every day, people. He's still doing that today. And it's not membership. It's not, it's not signing some, it's not, it's not even joining. It's, it's the Holy Spirit moving, uh, moving people into the positions where He knows that they're going to not only them flourish, but they're going to contribute and bring into what Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The Matt, Jesus, the master builder needs you. He needs every one of us in the process of him building the church. This word prevail, it means, and he said, the gates of hell will not prevail. It means, it means to overpower. He was saying, whatever the devil's doing, it's never going to overpower what I'm doing. You need to, you need to get that ingrained in you so when the devil comes and lies to you and laughs at you at time and says, well, where's your God now? You need to, you need to say, uh, you will not prevail in this. You will not overpower me because greater is he that's in me than who? Than he that's in the world. It means, it means superior strength. So what Jesus was saying is what the enemy has is not so superior in strength to what I'm building and what I'm doing. Uh, it also means strong to another's detriment. I want to tell you the church's greatest days, and when I say the church, I mean what Jesus is, is bringing and extending the kingdom of heaven uh, to where the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea, the prophet spoke about. Uh, Jesus put in place all that is needed so that the strength of the enemy, because he's the prince and power of the air and all of that, but his strength is subservient. He is not more powerful than what Jesus is setting up and doing in the world. Yeah, he's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, but uh, we are on the winning side. Just turn to somebody and said, you're on the winning side. <laughs> you chose correctly. You're on the winning side. I want to I talk to you about three things that I think uh, uh, become part and parcel of what a great church really is. And I love the life of Jesus. He's the one that we're to model our lives after. He's the one that has the answers, and, and he's the one that we look to for them. But as we were talking about earlier, that Jesus, um, uh, you know, sets us up in families. In Jesus' ministry, uh, on, on you'll, you'll find the scripture is very open about how he literally connected himself with people and with family. And one family in particular, I want you to go over to Luke chapter 10. We're going to go over and we're going to find an interesting interaction that Jesus was was uh, having with a family that uh, he obviously had a burden for, the Lord that he connected to. He, he brought much, um, uh, as we'll find out, he, he, he brought the kingdom to them. They responded to him. But Jesus just didn't show up in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus showed up in weddings, Jesus showed up in homes, Jesus showed up in fishing villages, Jesus showed up on the shores of the lake, Jesus showed up in the middle of the storms, and Jesus showed up in all kinds of places. And people connected to him, even if they didn't understand fully what it was, or what he was doing at that moment. Uh, over in verse 38 of uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, I'm going to start reading uh, a verse there, and it says, Now it happened as they, that is Jesus and his disciples, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him, Jesus, into her house. Uh, have you ever run into somebody who just has the ministry and, and the anointing and calling of hospitality? 
Well, that's Martha. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that um, uh, that leaders are encouraged to possess within their character traits is the gift of hospitality. I felt it here, haven't we? Yeah, big time. Thank you for that. Um, but God placed it in you and in this place. And so Martha invited him to her house. And she had a sister called Mary who, was also, who, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. <laughs> Don't you love families? <laughs> I know your family's not like this, but this you could almost are, you know, yeah, we could, yeah, superimpose Gary and Susan's family. And yeah, and so Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and Mary's chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, um, I, I'm not going to get into the into the full uh, interpersonal dynamic of relationships here, of what was going on. And I'm, I also uh, am not taking, I want to assure you, that I don't think what Jesus was telling Martha was a rebuke or any way that, oh, she's better than you or anything like that. I think Jesus uh, was really beginning to minister. And we're going to find out. This was the beginning of ministry to this family. And uh, Jesus just doesn't show up on the scene, you know, pronounce a blessing and then leave the scene. No, when Jesus shows up, he says, I'm here to stay. So when you say yes to Jesus in your life, he's going to take you serious at it. And he's going to show up to stay. He's going to take you right at your commitment to him. And he said, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. And so where you start up is not where you end up. Because he continues to minister and work his pleasure and his way within you. And we'll see that as it plays out here with this. But there are three things that I think make for a great church. And number one here, uh, right out of the gate, Martha had it. And that is, uh, Martha got Jesus to the house. There is the power of invitation that every one of you possess that is far greater than anything you can ever imagine in your life is that God will, will not only will, but already has anointed you. And there is so much of the word that uh, breathes into this, that upon his people, upon his church, one of the things that make a great church is the power of invitation. And I'm not talking about, oh, come to our, our men's breakfast, or I'm not, not even talking about that, or come with this Sunday morning church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that presence of the Lord that's upon you, that, fee- that people will feel a welcomeness just by being around you. And a lot of times they don't even know what they're feeling welcome to. He sets the kingdom up that way. He surprises you. <laughs> I heard one, one evangelist call him Jehovah Sneaky. He will, he, will, uh, he will begin drawing you and you don't even know you're being drawn until it's like, oh, it's too late and you're down at the altar and you're like, oh God, help me. Yeah, that's, he's Jehovah Sneaky. It's, but that's all wrapped up in the power of invitation. You see, what Martha was thinking, because Martha had that anointing and that gifting of hospitality, she was good at it and she was a perfectionist. Do you know why, how we know she was a perfectionist? Because she wanted everything to be perfect and she needed some help that she didn't feel she was getting. She wasn't lazy. Oh man, I'm doing all the work. And I, no, she was wanting it to be just right. And the time was coming, the date was coming, and she was like, I need more hands to get this thing just right. Jesus, tell, tell Mary, she's got to come help me. <laughs> and so to be part of the church and to be part of the kingdom... Because I particularly believe believe that the greatest churches, and I mean individual local churches, the greatest churches to ever be built on planet Earth are still yet to come. I believe that. 
I believe there's, I believe there's a, a, a release of what some would call revival or an extension of the kingdom in such a way, and I believe it will happen before the Lord, but to where churches, I mean, Yongi Cho in Seoul, South Korea has a church of like a million people. There'll be, that, it's kind of a pattern, but that's not the pinnacle. They're gonna be, they're gonna be even more than that. And it's not just about numerical people, but places where people come and, and the life of heaven is, is, is breathed in, whether it's a large group or a small group. Those are still coming, they're still on the way. One thing that I've, I've been, we've been here for a couple months, been gone for a number of decades from this region, but shown, have, you know, come back here. And one thing that I'm amazed about in my short time, the Lord set it up, is how many younger, um, uh, uh, families or younger pastors are planting churches in Vancouver, in this area. I met like four or five of them in a month. We've got one. Yeah, you met one too, right down. And I was like, "Is Jeannie going there? Or is she coming here? Or where's she?" <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Yeah, you can throw some at me across the yard. Uh, but uh, I'm just amazed that you know what that is. That is the that is the kingdom exploding, and it shows up in churches. Because guess what? You know, we're a great church. We're here, but we're not the only church. There'll be some that'll fit in here, but there are going to be some that need to fit over there. And we all come together, and it all connects. And Jesus said, I'm going to build the church, and there's nothing hell can do to stop it. Oh, the devil hates that so much. So Martha had this gift of hospitality. The power of invitation. The power of invitation is what got Jesus to the house. The power of invitation, when we show up, uh, let's, let's turn it into the supernatural realm a little bit. Every time the, the worship team strikes the first note and, and the voices begin to rise, you're a part of that Invitation, Holy Spirit, come. There's an invitation giving by every congregation. Now, some are loud and some are quiet. And it's not that one's right, not this one wrong. Uh, there's just different personalities. Sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. There's just different ways and different things and all of that. And uh, But every time uh, we come in, we assemble ourselves, this comes to the right time, the court is hit, that's where we all give the invitation to him. Come and be in this place. Come and be in this place. So Martha got Jesus into the house. But when Jesus got to the house, here we find Mary. And and Mary just went and sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he had to say. She was she was um uh she was just soaking up that the, the words of life. She was soaking there was something I believe. There was something in Mary that needed the touch of heaven way down deep that Martha didn't need. Now I'm not trying to break it all down and psychoanalyze because I can't, I don't want to do that. But it just seems that Mary was drawn to Jesus' feet because she loved him, of course, and all that. But there was something that as he was speaking that was just ministering into her deep to deep. Martha got Jesus into the house. Mary kept Jesus in the house. Mary was a presence-based believer. I believe we all are. I believe we all profit and need to be in the presence of the Lord. One of the primary things that, that is just part of our core, and I know it's here in this church, but Susan and I have it, and, and I sense it here in so many ways, is that part of our core is that when we come together, we have this tangible sense of the manifest presence of the Lord because that's what brings life. That's what brings Miracles. That's what brings help. Because we're not just a glorified Elks Club. We're not just a glorified fraternity club. We're not just some group that meets under in the same building under the same name. No, we're something far greater than that. We're the church that Jesus said, hell can't stop it. The world needs it, and I'm going to build it. And part of the way that Jesus is, Jesus does that is by his tangible presence being in the middle of his people. And he does that through the person of the Holy Spirit. You know what it takes to sit at the feet of Jesus? Humility. Because she was a woman in a Jewish culture, and she was doing something that could have been very easily be misunderstood. And I'm not going to try to demonstrate it today, but I was going to have my wife come up, and I'm not going to do that. But uh, uh, we are. Uh, but she came before Jesus, and and the people were there, and she literally sat 
right in front of him. Humility. She didn't care what people thought. She wanted to know what he said. You need to come to the house of God like that. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what your car. None of that matters anything. It matters you getting and coming into the presence of the Lord and saying, Jesus, what are you saying to me? And then listening. Martha got Jesus into the house. Mary kept him in the house. Now, before we go to the next verse, so Jesus had this connection with his family now. The two sisters, they're working it out. Uh, Jesus is the, is, is the, the peace giver. He, he brought peace in the family. They got through the dinner engagement that night. Everything was good. The dishes got all served. Food got all served. Every got, everybody got blessed and all of that. And, uh, uh, and Martha and Mary, I believe, loved each other more after the dinner than before the dinner and all those things. Cause that's what Jesus does. So now you fast forward, and I'm not going to read this part, but it wasn't a long time, within probably a, a manner of months uh, after this, you remember, okay, so the two sisters, and they had a brother. Remember the brother, Lazarus. I'm amazed at how Mike picks these songs, by the way. I just, there was a worship song that had Lazarus in the worship song. I can't believe it. And there was a worship song that talked about being awakened, which is what Pastor Justin's word was to us. It's, 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 isn't that, isn't that wonderful how the Holy Spirit does that? Randy, we did not. No, there wasn't any of that going on. It was just God orchestrating and fitting and planning. Why? Because he loves you. It wasn't about him or me, right? It was about you. He was wanting to let you know, I know where you're at. I know what's going on. I'm, I want to be right there. So not too long after this, their brother, um, uh, got sick and, you know, he died. And Jesus wasn't there. The girls, uh, the, the sisters sent the, the, uh, sent, sent the word out. Go get Jesus. Go get Jesus. Jesus was ministering in another town and another place. Couldn't get there right, uh, in, in, in that amount of time. And by the time Jesus and the disciples showed up, Lazarus had already died. As a matter of fact, he'd already been dead for a number of days and he'd been buried. And Martha and Mary were heartbroken. And Jesus showed up and at such a poignant reading on your own time, but they came up like, Master, Master. Oh, we just, have you heard? Lazarus died. If you'd only been here. Well, they believed in Jesus. They believed in his power to heal. They believed in his power to keep. They believed in his power to protect. They even believed in his power to resurrect. And, they, and because Jesus said, oh, he'll, he'll come back. He'll, he'll come along. And they said, oh, we know in the resurrection he will, but if you'd only been here. No, show me where he's at. He's down in the tomb. We wrapped him up. He's been there four days. You can't. He's gone. Here's the thing about Jesus. When he said, Peter, that revelation you got, that I'm the son of God, that wasn't from you. That was from heaven. And hell doesn't have enough power to stop me what I'm going to do. And he demonstrated it that day. He demonstrated what he told Peter. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm just going to, and, and it takes faith and it takes all these things, but it's the heart of it. There are, there are times in your life when you're just, when you're just going to have to cry out in desperation and say, Lord, I need your kingdom to prevail over what the enemy is trying to do in my life. He's launching an attack against me. God, I need your help. Jesus, I need your help. He will, he will show up. Sometimes you think he's late. Sometimes you think he doesn't care. Sometimes you think he's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Sometimes you're just like, Lord, where are you? But he shows up, not just in the nick of time. He shows up at the perfect time. He shows up right when he knows he needs to step into the scene. And that's where our finite minds and trying to connect with the infinite of God, we just kind of, you know, the synapses short circuit at times. But Jesus knew what he's going to do. And so you know the story. Lazarus come forth. He came walking out of the grave, wrapped in the clothes that, uh, that Mary and Martha and those had bound him in. And they said, get that. And so it was a, it spread everywhere. That miracle was like gunpowder ignited and just exploded across the region. 
Now I want you to go over to John chapter 12. Aren't you glad that Jesus stays with you the whole way through? <laughs> he's not on a flash, he's not a flash in the pan savior. He's, when he shows up, he's sticking, he's sticking with you through thick or thin. So verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 of the book of John. Now, this, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Any guesses who made the supper? <laughs> and there they made him a supper and Martha served. Oh, let's just, somebody just bless Martha. God bless those who serve in the house of the Lord. Bless those who don't mind doing the dishes and making the linen up and cutting the, the steaks and peeling the potatoes. Bless those, every church, to have a great church that has to be filled with people who serve. And just because you're one of those passionate seekers of the presence of God doesn't mean that you can't serve. You can do both. As, a, as one of my spiritual fathers said, when I was feeling kind of low in energy, he said, Gary, you can do more than you think you can. You can do both. You can serve and worship at the same time. And so Martha's putting the meal together, and there they made him a supper. Martha served. Listen to this. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. They saved Lazarus a seat right at Jesus' table. Then Mary. You've heard this story many times, and I'm sure probably most of us have known the circumstances around it. But now this is really connecting the dots. This is Mary. This is, this is, this is sis. This is the one who loves sitting at the feet of Jesus. These are the two sisters that ran, run into Jesus and, and weeping and crying and mourning and, and broken because of the loss of the brother. Now Jesus brought him back and, and, um, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, of perfume, and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's, um, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why is this fragrant oil not sold for 300 an air and given to the poor? He, he missed the whole point of what was happening. And I mean this respectfully, and and I and, and it's really in kind of jest. Actually, we're not going to let the bean counters take over the church. Okay, we're gonna we're just going to say let's be extravagant. I'm not talking about money, but let's be extravagant with everything we do with the Lord. You know what part of the invitation is? Man looks on the outside, but God looks in the heart. Remember that verse? Part of the invitation that a church makes is getting the place looking as nice as you can make it look. And we can't make it look like you know the Taj Mahal, but. It's amazing what fresh paint and a little here and a little there. Well, we're going to be starting some of that and just keeping on. Why? Because man looks at it's the power of the invitation. Get him in the door and then let the Holy Spirit just do what he does best in them. Oh, I, it, it's so good. And so here he was just like, oh, man, we, we should have done this with that. And he missed the point what was going on. There was this power of the presence was happening here with this uh, act of adoration, really. It was beyond worship. It was adoration. She was just pouring this. So if you thought earlier, whenever Martha said, tell her to help me out, and you thought, well, she's just in there worshiping. Jesus, and if you thought she was she was somehow lazy, oh, Mary wasn't a lazy person at all. She, I don't know what she did, but she worked hard. Here, she had some perfume that was worth a year's wages that she had saved up and bought, and she just dumped it, poured it out as an oblation offering to Jesus, and it blessed everyone around. This he said not because he cared for the poor, because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take from what, what was put in. But Jesus said, "Let her alone. She has kept this for my day and my burial. Uh, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always." Verse nine. Now, when many days, now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. The he he's talking about here uh, that was Jesus. That they knew that Jesus was there. But listen to this. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that, that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. We're talking about great churches are needed now more than ever. 
But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also because on the account of many, uh, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Mary got, Martha got Jesus into the house. Mary kept Jesus in the house. Lazarus filled the house. That is the testimony of Lazarus. It wasn't just Lazarus, what Jesus had done in his, in, in Lazarus with, with that miracle. It filled the house. So there's the power of the invitation, the power of the presence, and then there's the power of the testimony. You know what I think every church needs more of than we, than we have right now, including this one and every other church I've ever been at? We need the power of the testimony to be so prevalent and so commonplace that whenever they, that people will come because they've heard what the Lord is doing over there within the miraculous realm. And you can fill in the blanks. You can't pay your rent and somehow the Lord comes through. That's a miracle. That's the power of the testimony. Look what the, look what the Lord, this is the most demonstrative miracle you could ever imagine. Somebody dead in the grave four days and coming out. I mean, it went everywhere and people were so moved with that. What happened? It built the kingdom. It built the kingdom. We, we are looking for, uh, Lord, you come and do in us what only you can do because in you doing in us what only you can do, it blesses us. But here's the real point of it. It brings people to where they want to come and see what the Lord is doing. Also, they come and they want, if he did it for them, I'm going to believe he'll do it for me. The power of the testimony. Over in the book of Revelation, it talks about that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of the Lamb. And it says, and they overcame by the word of their testimony. You have a testimony. <clears throat> Look at your name and you say, you have a testimony. Now, maybe some of you know what that testimony is because you know them. Maybe others, you, you have no idea what. Maybe you're there and like, well, he's just kind of messing with me because they have a testimony, but I don't have to. Every one of you have a testimony. It's that testimony that literally the Lord will use to build the church of Jesus Christ. Is your testimony. Now, uh, it's not a testimony until it's given. It's an experience, right? How many have ever been in court or have you watched Judge Judy or something about court? <laughs> there comes a point when somebody testifies and says, this is what I experienced or know about this situation. Once that is given, it's a testimony. You know what I think is probably one of the biggest things that is going to be released in the day that we're living in and, and great churches being built and great churches manifesting and coming to the top like never before is people get to the point to where they're, it doesn't matter what... What they, what they think about being canceled or and all that kind of stuff. They're just get to the point where they're going to say, this is what the Lord did for me. And I'm nothing special. But if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. That's the power of the testimony. And it works whether the guy's a millionaire or whether the, the person is living on the street. It works. It's irregardless. You've got a testimony. When was the last time you let it out? That's my challenge to you. This week, find a place to let your testimony loosen the leash up a little bit. Yeah, loosen the lease up and let, let, let it, let it get some legs and let it get going. <laughs> For you that have dogs. And, uh, uh, let, let, just let the testimony go because they overcame by the blood of the lamb. Thank you for the blood, Jesus. And by the word of your testimony. What's God done in you? We saved you. That's the greatest testimony you got. How'd that happen? Tell the story. Make it short, make it condense it, make it sweet. <laughs> I believe that when that Release of the power of the testimony really begins to happen in any local congregation. Watch what happens at the back doors. People are just going to start coming in. I want us to stand this morning. Here's what I'm going to conclude the service with. I'm just going to, you know, the apostles in, uh, in the book of Acts, they, they sent a message to one of the churches and they said, hey, we need you guys to pray for us that we would have boldness. Because we're going to be going before the judges and the courts and man, we need boldness to tell them who Jesus is. I'm going to pray that there becomes a, there is released a holy boldness on every one of you. It's not about your personality. Some of you, my wife, she can testify to anybody. 
Me, I'm a little more selective. <laughs> I'm, uh, but I'm going to pray that there just come a boldness on every one of you to release your testimony, to release that power of invitation that you possess, to release the, the power of, of you being in the presence of the Lord, because that will give you the boldness to share your testimony. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there will be a supernatural impartation from heaven upon every person here, irregardless of their personality, irregardless of their extroverts or introverts, irregardless of any of it, God, because every one of them have a testimony. Every one of them have something that uh, they can, they, they realize, this is, look what the Lord has done. Lord, I pray that that be released from uh, off this church and also in every other Bible preaching church in our region. That, Lord, there will be such, um, such a boldness come upon the people of God to begin to share their testimony out in the highways and the byways. Because that is what the, the Lord will use to put a stop to the lies of the, of the enemy, to the lies of the devil that would just tell people, oh, God doesn't care about you. No, whenever God's people say, look what the Lord has done in my life, I pray that there would be a supernatural anointing come upon the body of Christ in Vancouver, Washington, and our surrounding area of southwest Washington, Lord, to where it would be like Christians are just awakened. That's what Pastor Justin's word to us was today, that we would just be awakened in such a way that we would share the good news of Jesus with everybody and anybody who would have a question about it. Just say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless your neighbor with a handshake or a high five or a fist bump. Go have a wonderful week in the Lord today. If you need prayer, if you need somebody to stand with you and pray, just come on down. There'll be, there'll be some folks here that'll pray with you. I'll be here. I'll pray with you. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.